This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 69 of the Sustainable-ish podcast, where we're going to be talking all about British flowers with Sarah Wilman from My Flower Patch. But before we dive on in, just a little heads up. This was uh, the second attempt in my experiment at uh, live recordings of the podcast. And there is just a teeny tiny quite a lot bit of background noise from the dogs and the kids (laughs) but I'm hoping that everybody who's listening who's maybe had the zoom call from hell or a bit of interruption on Microsoft Teams will be a bit gentle with me and be appreciative of the fact that lockdown life is going on behind the scenes so I hope it doesn't detract too much from your enjoyment now British flowers Who doesn't love a bunch of flowers? Well, turns out maybe the planet might not love them too much if you buy a bunch of imported flowers. I don't know about you, but I'd never really given much thought to the impact of flowers on the planet or actually the impact of cut flowers and bouquets of flowers on the planet, other than to think that they're probably a good thing because they're natural and bees love them. So what's the harm? Well, I'm glad you asked, because did you know a bunch of imported flowers from Holland or Kenya can have the equivalent carbon footprint of a flight from London to Birmingham? Now, that's that's slightly different to the one that Sarah shares, because I went back and I did a little bit of um, research and digging into what 30 kilos of carbon dioxide looks like and what the equivalent to that is. Um, So, yeah, the Uh, a flight from London to Birmingham, which is mental, I'm sure you will agree. So tune in, listen in, loads of great thought-provoking stuff, I think, in this chat today. Would love to hear what you think about it. As ever, if you enjoy the show, please do leave a review or a rating on wherever you're listening to your podcast. It really does make a difference in helping to get the word out there. Tell all your friends... And yeah, get on and and leave me a review. That would be perfect. So listen in, enjoy, have fun, and I will catch you soon. Take care. Hello, Sarah. Welcome so much to the Sustainable-ish podcast. Hello. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a different topic for us. And um, it came about because I posted a picture of some flowers that my husband had bought me. Um... To, I, I've just submitted this, my 
second manuscript, manuscript of my second book. And uh, he sort of very lovelily, that's not even a word, very nicely bought me some flowers to say congratulations. Um, And I always feel really sorry for him because it's like, it's so difficult, I think, to buy cut flowers for somebody who's sort of a bit eco because, you know, if you get them wrapped in plastic or there's, um, you know, imported from wherever and there's all these different issues and the poor bloke's just trying to be nice and just buy his wife a bunch of flowers. And I'm like, thank you. And kind of like cringing inside. Um, all right, I by the end of this, I'll have solved all the, your problems with that. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I wanted to, to chat to you about today. So um, can you start off by introducing yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do. So, hi, I'm Sarah, Sarah Wilman, and I run my flower patch. Um, it's based in Uphaven in Wiltshire, and it's a small flower-growing patch of land, which is why it's called my flower patch. Um, it's separate from my house. It's not my garden. I rent a small patch of land to grow flowers on. I broke ground 10 years ago in May, um, which has flown by, and it started as a bit of a a little bit of an accident, actually. It was a sort of sideline to having an allotment. I chose too many flower seeds to have on the allotment because I didn't want to just grow veg for what was then my husband and I and ended up getting all of these flower seeds come and the allotment had quite strict rules about how much proportion you were allowed veg versus flowers. So I spoke to a friend and said, can I have a bit of your land to grow flowers on? He looked at me as if I was a bit crazy I offered to pay. He said, of course. <laughs> so, um, 10 years ago, I broke ground and I've been growing ever since. It didn't really start off as a business. Um, I spent probably at least the first year just growing and trialing and testing vase life and learning and finding out about varieties. But it's been a business pretty much since then, in between having my child as well, who's now mm. nine. So, yeah, mostly business from then on. Um, what, what was your background? Were you, you know, trained as a florist? Are you a trained gardener? No? <laughs> um, no, um, my background. Uh, right, so I've got a degree in medical biochemistry. Wow. Um, then I went and did a teacher training degree and got a PGCE. Um, then I taught for three years in primary school. Um, then I did a uh, med- uh, pharmaceutical representative. Uh-huh. Then I was a business development manager for a sexual health company. Then I did some independent sexual health training, teaching people how to use condoms. So that was great fun. Um, And then I just started growing flowers for fun. So, no, I have no formal horticultural training or formal floristry training. I've done loads of self-learning and gone on lots of courses. But um, And I've grown since I was a tiny child. I always grew with my my nan I used to help her in her garden so I've always grown and I've always loved plants and flowers yeah but no formal certificate certificated training yeah. for anything that I'm doing at the moment oh but I love that though I think you know sometimes we we don't do things because we feel like we need a qualification or we need to be an expert in something and you know I always say whenever I'm asked to speak or I say it in the um in the forward of my book, look, I'm not an environmental scientist. I'm not an expert. I'm just, you know, I'm the same as you kind of muddling along, trying to work it out. But there's there's something to be said for that, I think, for, for just that, that real on the ground learning and that really kind of what works and what doesn't. Well, originally, I was intending to grow enough flowers for myself. Um, and that was about it. And then 
plants are very, very generous. So I ended up with far too many plants, <laughs> far too many flowers, and um, used to give them away and just ask people to have a look at them. And then, then that's sort of where the idea came from that yeah. it could become a business. Yeah. And last was it last week or the week before? It was British Flower Week. I can't remember how many weeks ago the time has gone completely different when it's lockdown, (laughs) hasn't it? It, It's like one day can last a month. Yeah. Um, It was the finished on the 20th or 21st of June or something like that. So, yeah, that's been the first first British Flower Week, or is it something that's been going for quite a while? It's been running since 2013. Wow. it's organised, I know, it's organised by um, Covent Garden Market. They're also involved with the Garden Museum now very heavily. Um, normally it's a, an intera- a live event. And mm-hmm. um, last year they got a lot of coverage, f- I think it was last year, they got a lot of coverage from um, BBC Breakfast. They were there Ooh. every morning, which was absolutely brilliant. It was real prime time info yeah. for British flowers. Um, this year, obviously, it was a slightly different event, um, all virtual. But actually what that does mean is all of the stuff is still on the website now. So you can go yeah. and have a look at British Flowers Week, uh, I don't know, .co.uk or something. Right, if you, if you literally day. just Google British Flowers Week, mm. it will come up. There's an introduction from the Duchess of Cornwall this year. Um, and she's a patron for one of the Floral, an- uh, Floral Angels, one of the charities involved with florists. And... Um, yeah, it's a lovely way of showcasing British flowers, but there was there's lots that you can go and look at and find out about British flowers on, on the website. Yeah, and in the time that you've been growing, so in these 10 years, have you seen um, a growth in sort of awareness and interest in British blooms and British flowers? Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm a member of an organisation called Flowers from the Farm, when I joined, I can't actually remember when I joined, but when I joined, there were about 100 and something members. Uh-huh. We've now got over 800 members. Um, I'm one of the regional coordinators for it. Um, and we have members dotted all over the UK. So those are just people who are growing British flowers or florists who are working predominantly with British flowers. Oh. And most of those are being run as a business or just starting to think about being a business. So that's a growth in itself, just of the number of people involved with businesses um, associated with British flowers. But I've definitely seen more people wanting to use me because I have British grown flowers. So I use British grown all year round. Um, When I can't grow them, I buy from other growers or larger growers that Mm -hmm. are available wholesale growers yeah yeah, I'm British all year round and why this might be feel like a really obvious question to you but why is it important that we support the British flower industry or that we buy British blooms so we have the power to make quite significant choices with our money Um, flowers are a luxury product um we don't need them to survive, mm-hmm. although although a lot of people would say we need them for our mental health. Yeah. Um, and definitely, definitely during lockdown, I've had a lot of bouquets that I've been making to deliver that have had very, very poignant messages on yeah. and definitely increasing people's happiness and sending messages of love when they can't visit. And yeah. one person sent a hug in a vase oh. because they couldn't be with that person. So yeah. lovely, lovely messages. So in that respect, yes, they're not an essential item, but they are quite quite important, I'd say, for yeah. mental health. Um, it's 
there's varying figures. I did do a little bit of research for well, you. So there's varying figures. They vary from about sort of 85, 86% up to 90% of the flowers used in the UK are imported. Wow. Um, they, yeah. And it's something like two billion pounds that we spend in the UK. I might have got that wrong. Annually. Yeah. Wow. Um, flowers and cut um, ornamental plants. And if you think sort of nearly 90% of that is exported uh, imported to us yeah, yeah, yeah. most of them come through the um, Dutch auctions in Holland um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're grown in Holland yeah. they'll come from places like Ethiopia um, significant numbers now from directly are flown in from Kenya um, Colombia uh, Ecuador Chile, wow. sort of yeah. all sorts of those places all over the world basically those will have to be flown in as I say, they must have to be air freighted because of the shelf life of a cut flower. Yeah. They'll be air freighted, usually in a refrigerated option of so air double freight. Whammy, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, and also some of those countries are not necessarily using the same chemicals that we would use in the UK. Right. Um, there's not some places are not as well regulated. Mm -hmm. Um some are getting much, much better, but some are not as well regulated. So if you're thinking that you're imported, importing a luxury item um, with all the associated aspects of that, then it's mm. a little bit... Um, there's been some research done by Coventry University, a lady called, I'll have to check, just or Lancaster University, sorry, um, Rebecca Swin, and she's done some research looking, comparing a Dutch bouquet with a Kenyan bouquet with a British bouquet. Wow, yeah. Um, and a Dutch or Kenyan bouquet is almost equivalent in carbon footprint to an economy flight from London to Paris. <gasps> no way. I know. And I had no idea about that until I, I mean, I knew it before I was researching for this, this but I had to just make sure I had it written down to say. And, and but, like, is that like a 20 quid bouquet, a 50 quid bouquet, like? They didn't, oh, they did say it was um, five roses, three lilies, and three stems of gypsophila, <gasps> which actually isn't a big luxury bouquet. That's that's kind of like a supermarket. It's not a, It's not the basic supermarket, no. but it's, it's kind of not even the most amazing, beautiful, big bouquet. So that's... It's, and that's the carbon footprint of a flight from London to Paris almost? Just a bit less than that. So it's wow. about, I've got, I've got the numbers written down. Because <laughs> I can't remember numbers. STEM counts, I can remember. <laughs> no, statistical, statistical numbers I'm not so good at. So it was around 30, 31.132 kilograms of carbon dioxide for Kenyan and 32 something for the Dutch. Um, so although the Kenyan one seems to be less... And I know it's hard hearing numbers mm. out loud. And then, yeah. you know, so the Kenyan one is slightly less. And I think the flight was something around 50. So it is it is less than a flight, but it's not significantly less mm. than a flight. Um, and the Kenyan one is less carbon footprint, but that's negated by the fact that it then has to be air freighted and yeah. chemical use and that sort of stuff. Whereas an equivalent British bouquet would be, and that's with... Um, sort of commercially grown mm -hmm. large scale commercial growers you're looking at about 3.2 3.3 kilograms wow. a so, yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and then if you look at a locally grown bouquet using 15 stems of outdoor grown flowers that had a carbon footprint of 1.71 wow so it's huge 
huge yeah. differences. And most people will never have thought about that. They and right. I wouldn't have ever done it before I was involved with this. I I've always loved flowers, and I've always just grabbed a bunch of flowers when I'm in the supermarket, or even when I was in yeah. university. When I was coming home from my Saturday job in university, Birmingham Flower Market, I'd just grab all the bunches yeah. that were left and take them home. Never even crossed my mind. Yeah. Why, why um, would it? Uh, yeah, apologies if you can just hear my phone going off in the background with this very <laughs> um, orchestral ring. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you that I don't think many of us at all would think about the carbon footprint of a bunch of flowers. And, um, and, and I think there's, because it's, flowers and we're told that you know trees and green things are good and there's yeah. biodiversity and and we don't think of of it having um a positive carbon footprint maybe we might yeah. think it's carbon neutral because that you know it's 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 a flower it's yeah. yeah 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 definitely um now in the same way that we have this concept of fast fashion so we have um you know clothes that are mass produced cheaply yeah. um at the detriment to the planet and to the people working in that um, is there almost this sort of fast flower industry? Um, I was looking into this. There's lots of information from quite a while ago, and so I'm quite reticent to quote too much mm -hmm. that's old data yeah. because it could have all changed. But there has been information previously that there's been um, unsavoury practices, um, people being pressured to not join unions. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's the biggest problem tends to be around the fact that they're using chemicals without proper um, yeah. PPE. Yeah. We all know the word PPE, yeah. now, don't we? <laughs> so without the proper um, protective equipment or gloves or breathing equipment, yeah. and they're either applying these to the flowers as they're growing for pesticides or um, bloom inhibitors or bloom advancers so there's yeah. all sorts of chemicals used and a lot of those would be things that wouldn't necessarily be encouraged to be used or may even be banned in the UK yeah. Yeah. Um, there has been some um, uh, so that's sort of the sort of it's not slave labor type of thing yeah. but it's sort of it's unsavory working practices really yeah. um, how well that's been stamped out I don't know I couldn't mm -hmm. find any evidence recent evidence yeah there is definitely evidence more recent evidence that chemicals are still being used on um, flowers yeah. and somebody I can't remember the source now I'm sorry but somebody was looking at um, they'd followed florists during their day given them gloves to wear for maybe four hours given gloves to non-florists to mm -hmm. wear for the same period yeah. of time and then the gloves were tested and they were tested and they were shown to have chemicals on the gloves. So florists who are working with these imported flowers are yeah. potentially absorbing chemicals. So, it, yes, if you buy a bunch of flowers from the supermarket, you probably kept them, stick them in a vase and don't touch them again. Yeah. So you're probably not going to be absorbing a lot of chemicals. But mm -hmm. it's just it's just to make people aware of it and, yeah. and to know that it's going on. Yeah. There are the fact that you can buy in some of the supermarkets, you can buy fair trade roses, can't you? So that does imply yes. that there are, um, you know, unethical practices going on yeah. um, in the sort of florist trade. Um, and when I think about, um, you know, flowers and flower growing, 
I envisage something that I haven't I haven't seen your field, but something that I imagine what your field looks like. You know, a lot of a lot of different types of flowers, lots of bees around, lots of biodiversity. Um, you know, hopefully no chemicals being used, all those sorts of things. And and I'm guessing, and again, I haven't seen pictures of it, but that when we're talking about um, flower growing on a very commercial scale, it is just um, you know acres of a sort of monocrop monoculture. A, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that that's not good for biodiversity and things as well, is it? No, definitely not. And that that does tend to be why they need to use more chemicals because if you've got a single crop and you get any pest mm. or disease in it, it can spread really quickly. I am exactly what you said. I've got loads and loads of different types of flowers growing, um, all mixed in amongst each other. Sounds a bit haphazard, but they're not. I do grow in lines um, because it is a crop, not a yeah. garden. Um, but they're side by side, a totally different type of plant. So the biodiversity is a lot better. I don't use chemicals. Um, I've got uh, Indian runner ducks for my slug protection. Oh. They're not that good. They do keep eating the plants. <laughs> but they're better than slug pellets. Um, yeah. And, um, so I don't, I do have organic slug pellets. But even with those, there's some mixed evidence about how good they are actually for the wildlife yeah. in the end result. So I do avoid those. I've got them, but I, I, since I've had the ducks, I don't use them anyway, just in case they would hurt the ducks because um, they're quite characters. They're lovely. Yeah. Um, but they do tend to eat a few plants, but I've got enough plants to spare. Yeah. But I have demolished my pumpkins, but apart from that, it's fine. <laughs> and talking, talking of ducks, if you can hear the dog barking, that's her barking at our chickens. Oh, and right. very excited about the chickens. Yeah. I like <laughs> I've got cats for the uh, rodent population. So. Oh, okay. So is trying to keep biodiversity helps me not have to use chemicals. Um, I don't yeah. want to use them. My son's now nine, but he comes down to the flower patch with me and has done since he was literally having his naps in the pram at the flower patch so he's yeah. always been down there um so i don't i don't want to use chemicals i don't want them for me i don't want them for him i don't want them for the environment so. yeah and is there a difference like if we if we say okay um you know i've listened to this and i'm gonna commit now to just buy british flowers i'm assuming there's a difference between a, a um a business like yours and a very commercial um sort of enterprise because one of the things i i'm sort of concerned about or maybe is that you know they're saying oh these are these are british flowers it's fine but maybe they're grown in like heated polytunnels and like you say they're using lots of um chemicals and things like that it, like how how commercial is the commercial side of british flowers so generally a grower of my size uses pretty much no heat i've got a propagation mat for seedling starting a lot of our growers end up using their airing cupboards or if they've got underfloor heating they're sort of using something they've already got um some people have argus so they're, they're oh, on the top of the argus i don't have an argus um, <laughs> but um even the large-scale growers there's so little profit in flowers they're not going to waste energy right. they will they may have to use heated glass houses rather than polytunnels mm -hmm. um, and they will tend to use biomass boilers so right. it's as efficient as it possibly can be. There's been some people have looked into how inefficient the Dutch um, glass houses are because they're vast. Right. Um, so generally our We've lost a lot of our large-scale British growers, unfortunately. 
but the ones that are still around are growing as economically as they can mm. which includes not wasting energy yeah. because it's not in their interest to waste energy um chemical use i don't know about particularly but it will be regulated very yeah. very much more regulated within the uk um you've got to have um training to use uh, chemicals on a commercial basis mm -hmm. so it would it would be very very much more regulated but yes there may be chemical use because again if they're growing a million stems of sunflowers it's a lot more yeah. difficult to grow but you're still then supporting they're often family businesses people mm -hmm. think they're these vast enterprises um one of the growers that i buy from um they're a family business it's the mum the dad and the son run it they had a fire. There are they have workers there, um, but they had a fire and it totally devastated them. They were mm -hmm. shut down for months. And it is such a most of the growers I buy from are even if they're larger scale, they are still family run businesses. They're very it's it's a fast cry from what you would expect yeah. it even on a larger scale. Yeah. So I think still supporting British farmers, even yeah. if you're buying from a larger scale grower. Yeah. And is there such a thing as um, an organic certification for flowers? Not at the moment. Uh, you've got fair trade. Um, there's a lot of talk amongst flowers from the farm members of having some sort of standardisation mm. of and some sort of certificate that we can have to sort of say that we grow following certain practices. Yeah. And a group um, within Coventry University are looking at whether we can do that. Okay. The difficulty of that is that if you then have that and it costs a lot of money to be registered with it, yeah. then it when there's very little money in flowers, I'm not doing it to make a million, that's for sure, yeah. um, especially with all my weddings cancelled. But, oh, um, yeah. but um, it can't be anything that would be too costly for yeah. smaller scale growers to grow under. A lot of growers grow with organic, smaller scale growers, yeah will grow with organic principles, mm -hmm. but they won't go for full organic certification yeah. because that is, again, expensive, paperwork onerous yeah. and everything else. But they'll still grow with mostly organic principles. Yeah. I'm, I'm ish on the organic principles. I'm using the catchphrase. <laughs> I'm a bit ish on the organic principles. I do my best. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I wouldn't, I don't think I would qualify at the moment because I don't know how long you have to have been working the land to right. qualify for it. Yeah. Um, and I do occasionally use some multi-purpose compost that's got peat in it. So right. Because every year I buy some peat-free yeah. and I get such variable results. I've oh, really? still got to try and, yeah, unfortunately, it's the one area I'm really a bit gutted about that I never get as good results with peat-free compost so if anyone's got any suggestions of amazing yeah. peat-free compost please let me know i've tried a, a lot oh, okay. <laughs> but it's quite variable because they're often made with um the green waste that the councils mm -hmm. collect so the batch of compost is as variable as the right. initial product that's gone into it so yeah. that's one of the slight problems oh, with that. yeah yeah no that's a good point actually um so you said that you grow flowers all year round because again my assumption is oh I want to buy British flowers but I could only do that like this time of year midsummer. um is so I'm not able to grow flowers all year round right. but I'm able to source flowers uh, all year round, British flowers so my growing year finishes at the first frosts uh -huh. which can be anywhere from <laughs> the uh, 20th of September 
um, through till about uh, Thanksgiving. I had flowers for Thanksgiving one year because I've got an American customer, so I was able to give her flowers for Thanksgiving. Um, so it's very variable when it ends. Um, but after I don't have flowers, I then use British grown flowers from British specialist wholesalers. Okay. And they will be growing them. Like what's the difference between why are they able to grow them and you aren't? It, it will be down to area. So mm-hmm. I go, I grow, um, buy from a grower and wholesaler down in Cornwall. Oh, yeah. Grower in West Sussex who specialises in, in Alstroemeria and they're better than any imported Alstros you'd ever find. Um, but he will use heated glass houses. Okay. And then um, wholesaler in Lincoln and a lot of the larger there's still a lot of British growers, mm-hmm. large-scale British growers in the Lincolnshire area. So um, they will probably use heated tunnel, um, not tunnels, heated glass houses. Yeah. And I guess one of the lovely things is that, that you get to see that seasonality because, yes. um, you know, you're, you're, it's the same as with buying fruit and veg in season. You get to see the, that what's available in different seasons. And if you're buying British flowers you're not going to be I'm assuming you're not going to be able to get you know a massive bouquet of roses at Christmas um but you will get some beautiful blooms that are much more in season if if you insist on having roses on your Christmas table or roses at Valentine's Day then you're not going to get them as British flowers if you are interested in beautiful flowers that have vibrancy and often a lot more scent than imported flowers then you'll get it through British flowers you can do some amazing, we're talking about Christmas in June, um, <laughs> do some amazing stuff at Christmas with foliage and mm. um, coloured stems. I've got, I grow willows for the coloured stems and dogwood has coloured oh, stems. Wow. You can do some lovely things with those and just maybe a few flowers. Yeah. So I can buy Alstroemeria all year round um, and I can buy, normally buy um, Narcissi quite early and um, sort of into November, December, and um, tulips, sometimes mm. chrysanthemums. It really depends on what year the growers had, but yeah. there are British grown flowers available all year round. I know because I buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you say if you get someone come to you and um, it's Valentine's Day and they they want roses? They're like, well, I'm afraid there's no roses growing in Britain at the moment. Um, like, are people surprised at that? Um, it sort of depends on who they are. I get a lot of people who find me as a florist just because I my SEO is quite good. Yeah. And they don't care what the flowers are as long as they're pretty. They just yeah. want to send flowers. And that's absolutely fine. I'm loving it. No problem. I don't want yeah. that at all. I get other people who buy from me specifically because I'm a British florist, British flowers florist. Yeah. At Valentine's Day, people do have this idea of roses as the only thing. Um, and I have had people say, oh, can I buy a bouquet of roses? And I've said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a British flower specialist. There's no British f- roses available. Um, but I can do you a bouquet of mm. this, this and this. And they go, oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Because generally, <laughs> this is slight stereotype, sorry. But if it's a man asking for flowers, they've heard of roses. They've heard of lilies. Yeah. They might have heard of even car- carnations. They're just trying to ask for something they've heard of. Yes. Um, they're actually just wanting something pretty and beautiful. Oh. And I've never yet heard feedback back that somebody was disappointed with yeah. my bouquet. Yeah. Um, I did have someone during lockdown wanting, um, it was something like 21 yellow roses. So it was obviously for a specific oh. reason. And I said, I'm really sorry. I don't have any yellow roses available at this time of year. 
Um, if you're set on yellow roses, I'll recommend this florist or this yeah. florist. If you will consider other flowers, then please let me know. He didn't come back to me. That's okay. absolutely fine. Yeah. He wasn't my customer on that particular occasion. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. And we talked about, you know, fast fashion and maybe this idea of sort of fast flowers. Um, and in the same way that when we're buying uh, British seasonal organic veg, we're paying more. And when we're buying ethically produced clothes, we're pay- paying more. Um, is it the same that, that uh, you know, a, a good British bouquet will cost more than something you could pick up in the supermarket or something you would get from Interflora? It's sort of like comparing apples with pears. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... But that's, I'm, not that's the, what, I'm not the cheapest florist around, but I'm also not the most expensive. Um, I get amazing comments when I deliver my flowers. Mm. They're not supermarket flowers. Yeah. They are beautiful bouquets of vibrant, scented yeah. loveliness that, that do look like I've just gathered from them gathered from the garden yeah because I have but yeah. I've then put them together very carefully it's definitely not the same as no. grabbing that bunch of five roses yeah, 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 yeah. a gypsophila but I also offer um loose stems for people to arrange themselves if they don't want to spend as much if somebody w- wants to spend less they would have to come and pick them up from me yeah. I'm I am a business at the end of the day yeah, I have yeah. to be sensible about my timings and it's not worth my while going yeah. out to deliver a bouquet under a certain price point. And I have to just be sensible about that. But in terms of people's response to them, nobody has ever said, oh, that was expensive for what I got. So yeah. I'm quite a generous florist, but I don't, um, I, I've got to be realistic. Yeah, I I was... And I can't go and deliver a bouquet for a tenner. No. You can no. get that from the gardens, um, from the supermarket, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the, the, the point I was sort of trying to make is that, you know, um, I will choose when I can to pay more for organic seasonal veg. Yeah. I will choose when I can to pay more for. And you said right at the beginning, you know, we have this this power in our choices and flowers are a luxury item. And uh, personally, I would choose to spend more and to buy some flowers from from you than, you know, um, or to point my husband in, in your direction. Um, then, uh, you know, just going and like you said, picking up yeah. something. It is completely comparing apples and pears it's not comparing like and I think the more we can um sell this message of you know quality seasonality British low carbon footprint um you know that's what we're paying for it's very interesting because when I first started I very much got the oh they'll be cheaper because you've grown them yourself yes type response whereas actually I can go and buy imported flowers a lot cheaper than I can grow British flowers it's a choice I've made to mm. not go down that route, um, enforced and backed up and supported by my membership of Flowers from the Farm, yeah. definitely, and giving me the confidence to be sort of aware of what I'm doing. But it's it's not it is just not like grabbing a bunch mm. from the petrol station. It's it's a totally different experience. Yeah. I generally, although I'm doing contactless deliveries at the moment because of lockdown, um, I generally still end up having a conversation with yeah. the person receiving the flowers because they're just so overwhelmed when they see them. Like, oh, you found these? And yeah. it's, it's just a little bit, I mean, one one person has given feedback that um, they were the first flowers she gave to her mum and dad after not seeing them for years. They are uh, Not years, the weeks of lockdown. Yeah. 
and they were sat outside for the mum and dad's anniversary. And while they were sat outside, the insects were buzzing around and, and joining oh, the flowers as they were yeah. talking because they're so natural and they've only yeah. just been picked and conditioned and arranged. So, it yeah, it's um, it would be a lot cheaper for me to just buy imported yeah. flowers, but it's it's the decision I've chosen to make, and it sets me aside as some something a little bit different. Yeah. So you've sold it all now on British flowers and Good. we're deciding that, you know, the next the next bouquet we send to somebody is going to be British, a British bouquet. How do how do we go about because, you know, part of the convenience, I guess, of, you know, Interfloral or whoever is that you you pick up the or you go online and you can order it and it will be um, they will organise a local florist to do it and to deliver it. And that's all kind of done for you. Whereas if I want to buy some flowers for my sister-in-law who's up in the Midlands, do I need to contact a florist in the Midlands or can I speak to you and and you can arrange delivery? Like, how does that work? So um, I might have mentioned Flowers from the Farm a few times. Mm. Um, so Flowers from the Farm is a nationwide network. We've got just over 800 growers and florists and associated people that would be the best way to send flowers further away i deliver within about 12 miles of uphaven so um i've got quite a small delivery area because i don't want to be driving 20 miles it's not environmentally friendly for me to do that anyway um so flowers from the farm has a, a map on it it's called the find flowers map and you can go onto that and put the postcode either of yourself yeah if you want to find out your local grower or where you want to send the flowers each of our members is a different business it's an Mm -hmm. independent business no two run their business in exactly the same way um some will have a web shop on their website some you'll ring up um some you'll email it each one works very differently some most of them are currently doing bouquets for delivery even if they don't normally yeah um because obviously we're in a slightly different time at the moment Mm. but um they're all independent businesses but that would be the best way of finding British flowers wherever you are um there are some of those businesses that will do bouquets couriered around mm-hmm. the UK and others will only do local delivery oh, okay brilliant so that's flowers from the farm is it .co.uk flowers from the farm .co.uk oh well done you get your brownie points for remembering that um have you, you, said, you mentioned that you've had weddings cancelled. Have you like? Is there a big surplus at the moment? Have people got sort of gluts of flowers because they've they've grown, assuming that they're going to have this this business? Yeah, um, I've actually been busier than normal with bouquets for delivery during lockdown, oh, which has been lovely. Um, it doesn't quite equate to it's yeah. a totally different ball game, yeah. um, but um, it's a lot more smaller work and more admin and more Mm. delivery time and all of that sort of stuff but I've still been very busy which has been amazing it's meant I can keep employing the lady who helps me with the work and I can pay my van fee or my van um, costs and everything else so it's kept me afloat which I'm really really grateful for but there will be some growers who had already were already so far down their sewing production that they do have spare flowers Um, there will be some who would normally not do local deliveries at all who are, have what's that word pivoted yes, um, yeah. I know one of those catchphrases yes, that's caught yeah. on. they've pivoted and they've started doing local deliveries um a lot of our members do very naturally styled funeral flowers um rather than um oasis mm. 
dates. They're very naturally arranged. I do those as well. Um, so what was the question? Um, <laughs> I've forgotten that. have a lot of flowers. Um, well, some people stopped um, their sewing schedule. Um, some people carried on. Some people... Um, composted plants that had started to grow it just depends but a lot of people do have more flowers than they would would normally have at this yeah. time of year because they haven't got the weddings on yeah um but we're a resourceful lot we've generally found ways of using them yeah no I bet and actually that's what I was going to ask you oasis is a big thing isn't it in terms of sort of environmental problems is there a um a more eco-friendly what's the problem with oasis and is there a more eco-friendly alternative so Oasis is a single-use plastic, which not many people are aware of. Mm. Um, it also releases microplastics into the waterways right. when it's soaked. Yeah. Um, there is some controversy about whether it is... It contains potentially carcinogenic ingredients. Right. But um, there's controversy about whether that means that it's potentially carcinogenic. Mm -hmm. And it's we need to say floral foam, not any particular brand name. Oh, okay. Because um, Oasis is a brand name, is it? Oasis is a brand name. Floral foam in general right. is a byproduct of um, the petroleum industry. It's um, yeah. phenolic foam. So that's much less attractive when you call it that. <laughs> yeah, phenolic foam. <laughs> Who wants to touch phenol? And it's got um, formaldehyde in it and it's got uh, all sorts wow. of things. Um, we don't, in the UK, we don't get hold of the data sheet. Um, it's deemed not to be necessary to send it out. But there are, ever, there are other countries where you can see the data sheet for the foam blocks. And you're advised to use goggles, um, a breathing mask and gloves and cut it in a well-ventilated area and avoid, avoid inhaling or um, touching yourself with the dust. Wow. So when I heard that, I was like, yeah. I don't want to use that stuff. <laughs> I mean, what, why, why, why? Basically, mm. why do you need, you, I don't need to use it. I've worked out lots of ways of not using it. Um, there's huge support online now for anyone wanting to look at alternatives. Um, there's Facebook groups set up. There's um, Instagram hashtags set up. So there's there's loads of support out there. And since finding out all that about floral foam, I didn't want to use it, let alone wow. the fact that it is definitely a microplastic. Some of those mm. things are still theoretical yeah. rather than factual, but um, it is definitely a microplastic. It is definitely released into the um, waterways mm. when you soak it, so there's no point. Yeah. I, um, I think it's about three years maybe that I haven't used it. Yeah. Basically, as soon as I found out those things. Yeah. Don't really want to touch that. No. And I know I still had it when my son was around because I remember him pushing at it. And it does. It makes the most funny sound. Mm. Apparently there's whole, um, what's that thing called when people like the sounds things make? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a whole gamut of people that are scrunching it up to hear that so that people can hear that sound. Oh. And my son used to love poking it and yeah. getting it to make the noise. And as soon as I found out all this, I was like, right, get them, get them. <laughs> don't want it anywhere near me. So I don't use it. I um, use structures within vases if I need to. I right. use vases with water. I use chicken wire, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things. I've got a whole raft of yeah. different things that I use to make sure I don't need it. 
And yeah. once you know you're not going to use it, when you're quoting for a wedding or an event, you just don't offer them the things that would need it. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. So I can do upright structures without using it. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to show them photographs of something that I would need floral foam for. I yeah. don't need to use it. I don't want to use it. Um, I've stopped using sellotape. I use um, paper tape now. Oh, brilliant. Which was part of somebody I watched on your Facebook. Oh, on Facebook group, somebody had said about paper tape, and I was like, why have I never thought of that? Yeah. So I popped to our local uh, packaging not included shop and sell a paper tape because I was worried that it wouldn't hold it because mm. sometimes the paper gets a bit wet. I've never had a problem with it. It's been yeah. brilliant. So, yeah, paper tape. Um, and I, another thing, traditionally, if we buy flowers from... I say traditionally, but if we buy flowers from the supermarket, whatever, they're, yeah. they're wrapped in the, the cellophane. Um, yeah. Has there been... Have you noticed more and more people asking for sort of plastic-free flowers? Yeah, I don't use cellophane. I still have a roll of it from when I used to. I've stopped using it probably around the same time as floral foam, if not a bit before. Um, there's no need. I yeah. deliver flowers in um, a box, a cardboard box, which has got then a glass container inside it. Um, I've not had a problem with anyone with that. Um, Often people say, oh, can I have an, a hand tie? They know the word hand tie. Yeah. So I say yes. And they say, well, will it be aquapacked? And I say, no, but it will come with water. Yeah. And they're fine. Uh, okay. Um, on a quick phone call when someone's ordering a flowers, I don't necessarily need to go into yeah. the hole. I don't use single-use plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but sometimes I will say, no, no, I don't aquapack because that's a single-use plastic. It depends mm -hmm. on the conversation. You know, you know, sometimes you can yes read that they're not going to be bothered about it and I just don't offer it I just I just do it in a glass vase and that's fine so okay. and a lot of the florists that I know and work with and communicate with have done their best to um, eradicate single-use plastic or just use it very very small amounts yes. um, and a lot of them now don't use aquapacks they just mm. use alternatives so if we, we were to get in touch with a, um, you know, a local florist one to, if, and we said, can it be sort of plastic free? We wouldn't get sort of yeah. looked at like we were complete weirdos. People would be quite used to that request. Well, it depends <laughs> on the florist. <laughs> um, if it was a flowers from the farm member, you'd probably be fine. Right. But why not ask other florists? Yeah. Why not say, have those conversations? What, what the worst you're going to do is end up feeling a bit, oh, they thought I was really weird asking yeah. for that. But unless people ask for those yeah. things, people are not going to know that they're wanted. Yeah. Um, I've just contacted my wholesaler because, you know, when you're doing information for a podcast, you start yeah. thinking about things. <laughs> and I've contacted my wholesaler and said, excuse me, are the boxes I use, um, the boxes and the paper that I use, I know they're craft, they're not dyed, mm -hmm. but are they recycled? Are they FSC? FSC, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um and I'm waiting for replies on that. Okay. But unless people start asking those yeah. questions, people aren't going to be raising those issues. I've already seen someone said, I never thought about the carbon footprint of flowers. Well, no, you wouldn't do unless someone, I didn't. I didn't yeah. until somebody brought it up to me. Um, I never thought about cellophane on flowers. It always yeah. looked lovely. What didn't it? Yeah. We had a bouquet and it's all yes. pretty and all fluffy with cellophane. But now I don't use it. And yeah. nobody has ever said, Oh, I wanted it wrapped in cellophane. Yeah. So 
No, I, I think they look so much nicer when you get them, you know, in like brown craft paper or whatever. There's um, a little florist um, in Warminster and she has this little like tuk-tuk van and she does these little bouquets and they put in the, um, in the Warminster Journal, like the local town yeah. paper. So she wraps them in that with string, which is gorgeous. Yeah, um, that's Lindsay. She's lovely. Yes. So, so if if uh, I'm sure this is a question you get asked all the time, but, you know, we've been bought a bunch of flowers. How do we um, keep them going for as long as possible? OK, so um, depending on if they've arrived to you in water or not, um, cuts the bottom of the stems. If they're still in water, you may be able to skip that step, but it's quite a good thing to do. So cut the bottom of the stems, have a very clean vase ready and waiting. Um, you don't need super cold water. Cool water is fine, uh -huh. um, but make sure the vase is clean to begin with. Pop them into the water and make sure there's no leaves below the water line right. because any leaves or debris on the stems will start to decay under the water. Yeah. Um, then make sure they're not going to be sitting blasting in the sunshine. You don't mm -hmm. want lots of sunshine on them or drafts either. Um, and keep them away from fruit bowls. Nice. Because um, bananas and apples give off ethylene, which yeah. um, can help promote the aging process. Mm -hmm. So it ages flowers quicker. And likewise, if there's any one or two stems within the bouquet that do fade quicker, then take those out or cut, yeah. just cut them off so that they're gone, so that they're not aging it. Um, some people say don't put them near televisions, but I don't know if that's more to do with um, the hazard of water and electricity oh, okay. or yeah. something to do with the electricity um, oh, okay. yeah. field, but a lot of people say don't put them near televisions. But yeah, fruit, heat and sunshine are the yeah. bigger, biggest ones. So don't put them in your brilliantly sun sunny windowsill sure. and expect them to last. And then you really, really should change the water every couple of days. But if you're not going to do that, at least top them up. They do drink a lot. Um, people are often surprised by how much my flowers drink because although I've conditioned them, they drink the most in their first sort of 24, 48 oh, hours after cutting. Yeah. So I'll have conditioned them for a while, um, but then they'll they'll still carry on drinking quite a lot for the first couple of days. Yeah. I, I, I how fresh like they are. I, I felt like I'd reached another level of grown-upness when the, the flowers that my husband had bought, I did actually replace the water. I was like, that's it, I'm not a grown-up now. Um, <laughs> and the little sachets of, of flower food that come with, you know, most sort of commercial bouquets, are they necessary or are they a bit of a... <laughs> I don't use flower food. Um, you can if you want to. Um, if you want to, you pro you can make your own. You can use sugar and um, lemon juice okay. um, because it's the sugar feeds the flowers and the lemon juice acidifies the water to stop bacterial growth. Okay, yeah. But I don't ever use it. I don't give it out. Um, the sachets tend to have chemicals in them yeah. as well. So they won't have necessarily lemon juice. They will have an acid of mm. some kind. They often have a preservative of some kind. So I don't use those, um, but I don't tend to find that people need yeah. to use them. Um, if you, some times of year you get flowers that are a little bit more, um, they give off a bit more residue. Tulips mm -hmm. are sometimes um, a little bit bad for it, and alliums. Um, so you can put the tiniest, tiniest drop of um, bleach in the water if you wanted to. Yeah. But again, it's more about reducing bacteria than anything yeah. else. But if you change the water, the bacteria yeah. don't get a chance to build up. 
Yeah. But um, when I was first growing and t- trying things out, um, I'm in my sunroom at the moment. We've got a, a, a skylight thing. Yeah. I can't even think. Um, I got all the carbon footprint right and I can't think of the word. <laughs> um, and I used to leave the flowers in this room because this is the hottest, sunniest room and not change the water. And I would make up bouquets and make up vases of flowers and test them. Yeah. And that led me to know which ones will last the best. Oh, brilliant. Um, but for me, British flowers aren't necessarily about really long-lasting flowers. Yeah. If you want those, you can buy chrysanthemums that last yeah. for three, four weeks. Something like a sweet pea will be a very short-lived flower because it's pumping out the essential oils. It's uh-huh. releasing its life force, mm. and that's why you get the scent. So if you've got something giving off all of that scent, it's not going to hang around for a long time. Yeah. It's why the supermarket roses will yeah. last a lot longer than an English garden rose mm. because the English garden roses are scented and they're, yeah, they're sort yeah, of yeah. giving off essential oils. Well, they can't stay around, can they? Yeah. But it's, for me, the fleeting beauty and the scent and the vibrancy is much more important than it lasting yes. seven days, 10 days. And I think the the stickers on a, a bouquet of flowers saying guaranteed 10 days life have done a lot of disservice mm. for the joy of flowers. So, yeah. Yeah. It, you want them to last as long as possible, but you don't want them to last um, artificially long. Yeah. Yeah. By having been treated with chemicals to make them last longer. Yeah, definitely. So where can we find out more about British flowers? You've mentioned flowers. Flowers from the farm. <laughs> I'm getting my brown points in. Um, so I did write down a few and I'll have to read them out because I'll forget. So Sustainable Flowers Coventry. Wow. And I think it's dot domains. Um, okay. But if you Google Sustainable Flowers Coventry, it should yeah. come up. They've got a lot about the sustainable side of flowers. So they've got about the carbon footprint of the Kenyan versus Dutch bouquet. Yeah. I know somebody was asking, could, could you share the stats? Yeah. But I can email those over to you. But they've got a lot about the sustainability of flowers. The British Flowers Week website has got Mm -hmm. a lot of information about British flowers. Um, You've got hashtags on Instagram, hashtag British flowers. Just be a little bit careful because some people do use that when they're not necessarily British flowers. Yeah, but you can't police a hashtag, can you? You know. Um, So those are a couple of different places. Look, if you find you've got a grower near you, um, having found them on Flowers from the Farm, you can then go to their website. Um, it's been lovely. Loads of the members have actually helped me a lot with the research and they've put up their blogs so that I can read their blogs. And actually there was so much there about um, sustainability of flowers Mm. and carbon footprint and why people do it and Mm. lots of different reasons why people grow British flowers. And there's lots of our members are actually... um, uh, Oh, I've forgotten the word. Social enterprise. Yes. Um, So they will work with people who wouldn't necessarily be able to find a job very easily elsewhere um have um educational needs or um, learning needs that need supporting so we've got members that actually run their businesses to give employment to people who would struggle otherwise so that's a great idea as well brilliant and i'll put all those websites in the show notes for the podcast when the podcast goes out um and where can we find you online where can we come and look at your gorgeous flowers Okay, so I'm based in Uphaven, um, and I'm my flower patch, and I'm my flower patch on everything. So Brilliant. I'm myflowerpatch.co.uk. I'm my flower patch on Instagram. I'm my flower patch on Facebook. Google my business, YouTube, 
Brilliant. Twitter. I think I'm still wow. on Twitter, although I don't use it very much. But yeah, I'm my flower patch and it's generally got my ugly mug somewhere in there so that you can recognize me but I think I had longer hair and it wasn't quite as curly then (laughs) (laughs) shorter hair in lockdown (laughs) I keep cutting it to try and make it curly (laughs) (laughs) um the final thing I wanted to ask you was like is it as idyllic as it sounds you know like oh I grow my own flowers and and I you know have this vision of you you driving around and delivering these little bundles of joy to people and having these lovely conversations and yeah, it's definitely not. We um, we definitely have to battle this idea that I waft around in a straw yes. hat with a beautiful floaty dress, harvesting my flowers into yeah. a rug. I don't do that. Firstly, because it's not very good for the flowers. Um, and I'm all about what's best for the flowers. Yeah. So I, I never harvest when I can feel the heat of the sun on my neck. Right. So that could mean seven o'clock in the morning or it could mean <laughs> nine o'clock at night, which to most people isn't that idyllic to start work at that time and I always harvest straight into water because that's better for the flowers um but I might also be um weeding and the rain is pouring and um it gets inside your wellies and inside your waterproofs or I might be scrubbing buckets when you've got to break the water in the hose because it's frozen um yeah scrubbing buckets is really not idyllic at any time (laughs) of the year um so no, it's not idyllic, but it's a, a lifestyle choice I've made that yeah. I want to do this. Um, it is a wonderful job to do. Um, it does. My son during lockdown has obviously had to come on some deliveries with me. Oh. And um, we went someplace and he walked up and I delivered and stepped back and he sort of looked at their face and he as we we're walking back to the car, he went, Mummy, it's really good fun delivering your flowers. Oh. People love them. And that is amazing, getting the conversations that you get when you deliver something beautiful. And even when it's for funeral flowers and people take the time to write a thank you note, they've got enough on their plate and they bother to write and thank me for doing funeral flowers. And so that is amazing. But yeah, planting out the flowers when it's hot and trying to water them when it's 30 degrees. And yeah, there's some elements that aren't quite so idyllic, but... (laughs) It is wonderful. And being around the birds and the bees and the butterflies and everything else, it's great. And I do, I've got a lot of biodiversity on the pot. So, yes, I bet. It is good. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for doing that. Thank you for, you know, growing British flowers, for championing British flowers, and for coming to talk to us um, today, because that's been absolutely fascinating. It's um, a real eye opener. And I think it's something that, you know, we need to start sort of shouting about a bit more. So, hopefully, this will help a little bit. But thank you so much. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.